Section 18 of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering, or The Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 15. My gold is gone, my money is spent, my land now take it unto thee. Give me thy gold, good John of the scales, and thine for I my land shall be. Then John he did him to record draw, and John he cast him a god's penny. But for every pound that John agreed, the land I was was well worth three heir of Lynn. The Galwegian John of the scales was a more clever fellow than his prototype. He contrived to make himself heir of Lynn without the disagreeable ceremony of telling down the good red gold. Miss Bertram no sooner heard this painful and of late unexpected intelligence than she proceeded in the preparations she had already made for leaving the mansion-house immediately. Mr. MacMorlan assisted her in these arrangements, and pressed upon her so kindly the hospitality and protection of his roof, until she should receive an answer from her cousin, or be enabled to adopt some settled plan of life, that she felt there would be unkindness in refusing an invitation urged with such earnestness. Mrs. MacMorlan was a ladylike person, and well qualified by birth and manners, to receive the visit, and to make her house agreeable to Miss Bertram. A home, therefore, and an hospitable reception were secured to her, and she went on with better heart to pay the wages and receive the adieus of the few domestics of her father's family where there are estimable qualities on either side this task is always affecting the present circumstances rendered it doubly so all received their due and even a trifle more and with thanks and good wishes to which some added tears took farewell of their young mistress there remained in the parlour only mr macmorlan who came to attend his guest to his house Dominie Sampson, and Miss Bertram. And now, said the poor girl, I must bid farewell to one of my oldest and kindest friends. God bless you, Mr. Sampson, and requite to you all the kindness of your instructions to your poor pupil, and your friendship to him that is gone. I hope I shall often hear from you. She slid into his hand a paper containing some pieces of gold, and rose, as if to leave the room. Dominie Sampson also rose, but it was to stand aghast with utter astonishment. The idea of parting from Miss Lucy, go where she might, had never once occurred to the simplicity of his understanding. He laid the money on the table. It is certainly inadequate, said MacMorlan, mistaking his meaning, but the circumstances— Mr. Sampson waved his hand impatiently, it is not the lucre, it is not the lucre, but that I, that have ate of her father's loaf, and drank of his cup, for twenty years and more, 
to think that i am going to leave her and to leave her in distress and dolor no miss lucy you need never think it you would not consent to put forth your father's poor dog and would you use me were than a messin no miss lucy bertram while i live i will not separate from you i'll be no burden i have thought how to prevent that but as ruth said unto naomi entreat me not to leave thee nor to depart from thee for whither thou goest i will go and where thou dwellest i will dwell thy people shall be my people and thy god shall be my god where thou diest will i die and there will i be buried the lord do so to me and more also if aught but death do part thee and me during this speech the longest ever dominie sampson was known to utter the affectionate creature's eyes streamed with tears and neither lucy nor macmorlan could refrain from sympathizing with this unexpected burst of feeling and attachment mr sampson said macmorlan after having had recourse to his snuff-box and handkerchief alternately my house is large enough and if you will accept of a bed there while miss bertram honors us with her residence i shall think myself very happy and my roof much favored by receiving a man of your worth and fidelity and then with a delicacy which was meant to remove any objection on miss bertram's part to bringing with her this unexpected satellite he added my business requires my frequently having occasion for a better accountant than any of my present clerks and i should be glad to have recourse to your assistance in that way now and then of a surety of a surety said sampson eagerly i understand bookkeeping by double entry and the italian method our postilion had thrust himself into the room to announce his chase and horses he tarried unobserved during this extraordinary scene and assured mrs mccandlish it was the most moving thing he ever saw the death of the grey mare pure hizzy was nothing till it this trifling circumstance afterwards had consequences of greater moment to the dominie the visitors were hospitably welcomed by mrs macmorlan to whom as well as to others her husband intimated that he had engaged dominie sampson's assistance to disentangle some perplexed accounts during which occupation he would for convenience sake reside with the family mr macmorlan's knowledge of the world induced him to put this colour upon the matter aware that however honourable the fidelity of the dominie's attachment might be both to his own heart and to the family of ellangowan his exterior ill qualified him to be a squire of dames and rendered him upon the whole rather a ridiculous appendage to a beautiful young woman of seventeen dominie sampson achieved with great zeal such tasks as mr macmorlan chose to entrust him with but it was speedily observed that at a certain hour after breakfast he regularly disappeared and returned again about dinner-time 
the evening he occupied in the labor of the office on saturday he appeared before macmorlan with a look of great triumph and laid on the table two pieces of gold what is this for dominie said macmorlan first to indemnify you of your charges in my behalf worthy sir and the balance for the use of miss lucy bertram but mr sampson your labor in the office much more than recompenses me i am your debtor my good friend then be it all said the dominie waving his hand for miss lucy bertram's behoof well but dominie this money it is honestly come by mr macmorlan it is the bountiful reward of a young gentleman to whom i am teaching the tongues reading with him three hours daily a few more questions extracted from the dominie that this liberal pupil was young hazelwood and that he met his preceptor daily at the house of mrs mccandlish whose proclamation of sampson's disinterested attachment to the young lady had procured him this indefatigable and bounteous scholar macmorlan was much struck with what he heard dominie sampson was doubtless a very good scholar and an excellent man and the classics were unquestionably very well worth reading yet that a young man of twenty should ride seven miles and back again each day in the week to hold this sort of tete-a-tete -tete of three hours was a zeal for literature to which he was not prepared to give entire credit little art was necessary to sift the dominie for the honest man's head never admitted any but the most direct and simple ideas does miss bertram know how your time is engaged my good friend surely not as yet mr charles recommended it should be concealed from her lest she should scruple to accept of the small assistance arising from it but he added it would not be possible to conceal it long since mr charles proposed taking his lessons occasionally in this house oh he does said macmorlan yes yes i can understand that better and pray mr sampson are these three hours entirely spent in construing and translating doubtless no we have also colloquial intercourse to sweeten study neque semper arcum pendit apollo the querist proceeded to elicit from this galloway phoebus what their discourse chiefly turned upon upon our past meetings at ellangowan and truly i think very often we discourse concerning miss lucy for mr charles hazelwood in that particular resembleth me mr macmorlan when i begin to speak of her i never know when to stop and as i say jocularly she cheats us out of half our lessons oh ho thought macmorlan sits the wind in that quarter i've heard something like this before he then began to consider what conduct was safest for his protege and even for himself for the senior mr hazelwood was powerful wealthy ambitious and vindictive and looked for both fortune and title in any connection which his son might form at length 
having the highest opinion of his guest's good sense and penetration he determined to take an opportunity when they should happen to be alone to communicate the matter to her as a simple piece of intelligence he did so in as natural a manner as he could i wish you joy of your friend mr sampson's good fortune miss bertram he has got a pupil who pays him two guineas for twelve lessons of greek and latin indeed i am equally happy and surprised who can be so liberal is colonel mannering returned no no not colonel mannering but what do you think of your acquaintance mr charles hazelwood he talks of taking his lessons here i wish we may have accommodation for him lucy blushed deeply for heaven's sake no mr macmorlan do not let that be charles hazelwood has had enough of mischief about that already about the classics my dear young lady wilfully seeming to misunderstand her most young gentlemen have so at one period or another sure enough but his present studies are voluntary miss bertram let the conversation drop and her host made no effort to renew it as she seemed to pause upon the intelligence in order to form some internal resolution the next day miss bertram took an opportunity of conversing with mr sampson expressing in the kindest manner her grateful thanks for his disinterested attachment and her joy that he had got such a provision she hinted to him that his present mode of superintending charles hazelwood's studies must be so inconvenient to his pupil that while that engagement lasted he had better consent to a temporary separation and reside either with his scholar or as near him as might be sampson refused as indeed she had expected to listen a moment to this proposition he would not quit her to be made preceptor to the prince of wales but i see he added you are too proud to share my pittance and peradventure i grow wearisome unto you no indeed you were my father's ancient almost his only friend i am not proud god knows i have no reason to be so you shall do what you judge best in other matters but oblige me by telling mr charles hazelwood that you had some conversation with me concerning his studies and that i was of opinion that his carrying them on in this house was altogether impracticable and not to be thought of dominie sampson left her presence altogether crestfallen and as he shut the door could not help muttering the varium et mutabile of virgil next day he appeared with a very rueful visage and tendered miss bertram a letter mr hazelwood he said was to discontinue his lessons though he had generously made up the pecuniary loss but how will he make up the loss to himself of the knowledge he might have acquired under my instruction even in that one article of writing he was an hour before he could write that brief note and destroyed many scrolls four quills and some good white paper i would have taught him in three weeks a firm current clear and legible hand he should have been a calligrapher but god's will be done the letter contained but a few lines 
deeply regretting and murmuring against miss bertram's cruelty who not only refused to see him but to permit him in the most indirect manner to hear of her health and contribute to her service but it concluded with assurances that her severity was vain and that nothing could shake the attachment of charles hazelwood under the active patronage of mrs mccandlish sampson picked up some other scholars very different indeed from charles hazelwood in rank and whose lessons were proportionally unproductive still however he gained something and it was the glory of his heart to carry it to mr macmorlan weekly a slight peculium only subtracted to supply his snuff-box and tobacco-pouch and here we must leave kippletringen to look after our hero lest our readers should fear they are to lose sight of him for another quarter of a century End of chapter fifteen